Let's turn to two places. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 16 and then 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Matthew 16 and 1 Corinthians 3. Both are well-known passages. Matthew 16, we start with verse 13. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Well, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. When Jesus said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then Jesus strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. And then over to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we'll start with verse 1. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you are not ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest. For the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. May God bless to us this reading 
from his holy word. It's amazing how things have changed so much in uh, the last few months. I, I remember first hearing about this virus coming out of uh, uh, China back in January, and everybody was saying, oh, don't worry about it too much, and, and I thought it was a bit like the SARS was back in 2003, something that affected Asian nations, but I, I didn't know that it would actually affect us. Like many people, uh, I was really questioning, but the thing I didn't reflect on, and the thing that most people didn't reflect on, was how viruses behave. Uh, we, we kind of think, or I, I used to think of, if there was a pandemic, then suddenly you'd have you know, millions, if not billions of people sick uh, with a disease. But that's not how a virus works. A virus works by getting a very slow start, by being transmitted from one person to maybe a second person, uh, and then maybe to a couple of more. But as you know, if you've watched any of the news programs and any of the modeling about how viruses grow, after they get the start and they start replicating a bit, then all of a sudden the virus grows and the spread of it becomes exponential. Uh, and it spreads, as it has in the case of COVID-19, it spreads around the world. And as I reflected on this, uh, and thinking about how Jesus has been active in this whole pandemic, I began to realize that this idea of a virus is exactly how the gospel of Jesus Christ has worked uh, throughout history. That it spreads at first from uh, a very few people, and then it begins to multiply, and they begin to spread it on to a few others, and all of a sudden it grows. And as in the case of the early church, very early on, uh, it began to be spread to thousands upon thousands of people. But I also realized that in the last 500 years, God has been doing some things in his church. And what God has done in his church has also spread like a virus. Uh, and in fact, this whole situation, I think, is a signal, the COVID-19 is a signal that God is making a shift and is about to do something new in the church or, or making a shift in the church. Uh, and to see this, I think we need to look at some of the things that God has been doing here for the last 500 years. You can go back to around uh, 1500. Now, this is going to be very oversimplified. If I was going to do a lecture or something like that, I would give you a lot more details and I would qualify things a lot more and give you a lot more dates. So forgive me for not going into that kind of depth. Or you're probably happy that I'm not going into that kind of depth. But I want to begin back around 1500, actually 1517, God began to do, uh, uh, God started a period in the history of the church that I'd call reforming. Uh, and it really started in 1517 when the guy named Martin Luther, he nailed his 95 theses, that's 95 debating points, uh, supposedly to the door uh, of the church in Wittenberg. And that kicked off a movement uh, that you know, from the 1500s even into the end of the 1600s, this thing was spreading, this thing was developing, this thing was growing. 
And God's purpose in this period of reforming was, re was to return the Bible as the basis for church life. He was returning the church to the Bible as the basis for church life. Like I said, and that started uh, with the uh, 95 Theses there in October 31st, 1517. But then, beginning into the 1700s and into the 1800s, so for another 200 years or so, uh, sorry about that, God, uh, God started another season. Uh-oh, sorry. My notes have been messing up. Uh, God started another season, and we call the second season, the second period, reviving, reviving. There we go. And the purpose in this reviving period was to return the church to, uh, to the mission and expansion of the faith as its primary calling. It was a time where the church was growing. It was being revived. But not only was it being revived, it was growing and it was spreading into other nations. And many groups began to have this vision for taking the gospel of Jesus Christ to the nations of the world. And that was during this reviving time. And the trigger event for this uh, reviving period was a watch night service that's on the 31st of December, 1738, in Fetter Lane, which is just around the corner from City Temple. Uh, Fetter Lane, John Wesley, George Whitfield, some Moravians and some others got together, and in the middle of the night, the Spirit of God fell upon them, and that was a trigger that caused them all to go forth, and this reviving period to be ignited and to expand. And it really went on with many different revivals and things for the next 200 years. It was a powerful time uh, of what God was doing. And his purpose there was returning the church to mission and expanding the faith as its primary calling. Go into all the world, make disciples of all nations. That was the, the theme verse for that season. And then in the 1900s, this past century, uh, God brought in a period that I call restoring, restoring. And the purpose of restoring, this restoring period, was to return the church to the priesthood of all believers, to empowered ministry by all Christians. Uh, it was to restore this fivefold ministry, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. They've always been there all throughout church history. But during this period, God was restoring them to the church in greater power and greater anointing, even as he was restoring the gifts of the Holy Spirit, again, which have always been there, but he was restoring this to the church so that more and more Christians were filled with the Spirit, were doing ministry, and the ministry was not just the purview of uh, pastors and ordained people and people who went to the seminary and, and the like. And that was through the 1900s. And the trigger event, actually I'd say two trigger events there. One was the Welsh revival in 1903 and 1904. And then the other was the Azusa Street Revival in Los Angeles uh, that kicked off on 9 April 1906. And that began the process of the Spirit of God being poured out in even greater measure, and even greater power 
upon all of his people. And that's gone through the last century. Now you'll notice here, as we go through this, there's an acceleration. Things start to speed up. And I believe that we have now entered uh, another period in church history uh, that, again, started back in 1500 with the reforming period, or the Reformation as it's often called. We've entered another period of church history, and I think this period of church history I want to call rebuilding. Rebuilding. And I think in rebuilding... God is returning the church to her purity, her purpose, and her identity as the bride of Christ and as the household of God. He's returning the church to her purity, purpose, and identity as the bride of Christ and as the household of God. And even though this has been going on a bit, I think this COVID-19 pandemic is going to be part of the trigger event, if not the trigger event, in this rebuilding period in church history. And I think as, as before, this rebuilding period of church history is actually going to be shorter than the previous three periods. Uh, I think it might be 50 years or so, uh, although I'm not very good with timing. Uh, but I think that we are on the edge of this. We're on the cusp of this. We're moving in to this rebuilding period. Uh, and I think it's important for us to see this. Uh, And like I said, I think the COVID-19 situation is one of the catalysts for this rebuilding period, one of the trigger events for this rebuilding period. Now, when we look at this situation, the COVID-19 situation, uh, and the need for rebuilding in the Church of Jesus Christ, I think COVID-19 has really exposed a number of issues in the church. Uh, And I think it's in the church globally. I see this not only in the United Kingdom, uh, here in London, but I'm seeing it in the States, in Asia, uh, in Africa, uh, South America. Uh, It's globally. The Lord is uh, exposing a number of things through this COVID-19 situation uh, in the church. I think one thing that he's exposing is how poor our ecclesiology is. Now, ecclesiology, that's just a big word for our understanding of the church biblically, our biblical understanding of the church. And I think, quite frankly, it's been rather poor, and I think God is showing us that. For many people, church was all about the gathering. You know, I I heard many American leaders say, okay, we're going to do live streaming and we'll do church live streaming. Well, actually, if you study the scriptures... Live streaming in itself is not really doing church. Coming together for a meeting in and of itself is not really doing church. I think it shows a very poor ecclesiology, and the Lord's going to start to change that. Uh, I think another thing that COVID-19 is exposed, the situation is exposed, is the discord uh, of a multitude of disparate voices in the church clamoring for our attention. Uh, One of the things I'm really concerned about in this season, and I think we've seen this with all the churches now, like ours, uh, going online, doing doing things this way, there's tens of thousands of different options that people have to choose from, non-Christians might have to choose from, if they wanted to find out more about the church or if they wanted to go online. 
And in one sense, having that variety is good, but actually in another sense, not so much because a lot of things that are being said uh, in, by leaders in the body of Christ are not really biblical and some things are not really healthy. And how do you know what to believe? How do you know who to trust? How do you know who to look for? Another thing that God is revealing in this COVID-19 situation is the folly, the pride, self-promotion, and rebellion of many Christian leaders. Uh, I am amazed at some of the things that I I hear Christian leaders do. Uh, I'm amazed at some of the pride and uh, arrogance that's coming out of many Christian leaders. The the rebellion, I say, well, we've got our right to do this or right to do that. And, you know, to heck with uh, how it might impact people uh, in terms of their health uh, and other things. Uh, and so it's very, very interesting to see this. Uh, and God is just exposing this thing. He's also, God's also showing us how many leaders have simply capitulated to the spirit of the age regarding who the church is and what the church does. You know, I, I've, I've just, I mentioned last week, I've been stunned at how some pastors have been forbidden to go in their sanctuaries by their denominational overseers. And, and I just find that stunning. I mean, if there was nobody else at City Temple, let me tell you, I'd get out there, I'd get in the sanctuary and I'd be worshiping the Lord. It wouldn't stop me from declaring the grace and glory of our God, Jesus Christ. Uh, and so for, so for many It's almost like they've relegated the church to nothing more than an aid agency. That the importance of the church, the value of the church, is only found in, say, the number of people that it could feed. Now, that's important to do, and I I, uh, laud all these attempts to feed people, to care for their needs. We need to be doing that as the body of Christ. Uh, We need to be doing that in our communities, but the church is more than that. That's an outgrowth of who we are. We've also seen in this time how consumption and the idea of consumerism has really overcome and distorted churches. Uh, One of the concerns I've always had about doing things online is that you kind of reduce things to the level of a TV show, uh, the level of some kind of entertainment, uh, taking it out of the realm of, of who the church actually is. And for many people, it's all been all about consumption. I want to go to the church that meets my needs. I want to find the pastor <clears throat> who will say the things that I want to hear, who will agree with me. Uh, I want to find the, the church that has the programs that I want to have for my kids. And, and a lot of those things, they're not wrong, but actually our primary question needs to be, God, where do you want me to go? Where do you want me to invest my life? And then that's where you go. That's where you invest your life, uh, even if it doesn't have all the programs, uh, all the things to consume that you'd like. You go because church is more than what we might consume. Uh, God's also shown us a lot about the clutter in churches, how much uh, churches have done or, or were doing that really was not very important. I mean, already at City Temple, we had been decreasing that clutter. We had really felt like the Lord has been telling us the last few years to cut back, to cut back, to cut back. And we've been doing that as part of our clearing out season. But I think God is showing us that a lot of churches need a lot more clearing out. Uh, God's also revealed in this season 
frankly, the gullibility, the distraction, the silliness, and the lack of discipline among many Christians. I mean, when I hear some of the things that Christians are believing and some of the things that Christians are going after, I'm really scratching my head and I'm saying, folks, uh, don't believe everything you hear. Don't believe everything you're reading. Use your head. Use the scriptures. Search more deeply. And, uh, uh, you know, just you know, we've, we heard recently about a church that was uh, uh, selling some kind of oil uh, and cloth and things, and you know you pay ninety quid and you get this, and it's going to heal you of coronavirus. Uh, well, actually, no, it won't. Uh, and so, but people are buying it. I mean, we we get to be quite gullible sometimes. I think we're also seeing the insignificance of our churches for our society right now. I mean, churches were closed, and for a lot of people in our society, it didn't didn't really matter. They didn't really care. Uh, and for, for in many ways, the church has been brushed aside in British society and many other societies around the globe. Uh, and the COVID-19 situation is revealing that to us. I think probably one of the biggest things that the situation is revealing is the lack of a simple and pure devotion to Jesus in the body of Christ. I mean, this is all about Jesus. We're about Jesus. We're about glorifying, exalting Jesus. Jesus is the one who saved us. Jesus is the one who unites us. Jesus is the one who unites us with the Father. It's all about Jesus. And we need to return to this simple and pure devotion to Jesus Christ. And so these are a number of things that God is revealing through this COVID-19 situation. And it's important that we understand them because we need to understand that God's going to be dealing with these issues in this rebuilding period that I believe the Lord has taken us into. So what is God going to do? You know, what is God going to do in this rebuilding period? Well, first of all, He's going to reset Jesus as the foundation for the church. Just as Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. As Paul said, you can't build on any other foundation except the foundation of Jesus Christ. I think for a long time, Jesus has not really been the foundation for a lot of our churches, but Jesus is going to build his church on that foundation. God is going to build this church on the foundation of Jesus Christ. God is showing us in that what is really essential for us as churches. He's showing us what's really important. God is taking us back to the essence of the gospel that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead so that we could have forgiveness of sins and life everlasting. He's taking us back to the, the essence of the gospel. God is returning the church to our first love for Jesus Christ. And those who don't return to their first love for Jesus Christ, God will deal with, I believe, in this season. Second thing that God is doing and is going to be doing in this rebuilding period, God is going to be removing spiritual viruses in the church. These are things that have penetrated the life of the church and hijacked it for its own ends. I mean, one spiritual virus is the cult of personality that exists amongst a lot of Christians. 
for too long we followed after this this worship leader or that preacher uh, or you know that teacher and and there's been a bit of a cult of personality so much so that there's actually been coaches out there to coach Christian leaders how to build your brand and build a platform. Well, I want my brand to be Jesus, to be the cross of Christ. And the platform that I have is the platform that God gives. And so we need to be seeing this and understanding. You know, this has been a virus, this cult of personality. There's been a lot of carnal and fleshly attitudes and practices, the self-centered thing of make church the way I want it rather than seeking after the way God wants it. Uh, Jealousy and strife among Christians and churches is another virus that's been out there where churches are in competition with each other. It's like I told my friend David Engel down at Holy Sepulcher a few years ago when they started their prayer room. He said, Rod, I just wanted to tell you about it so that you don't feel like we're in competition. And I said, David... When 95% of people in London are saved, then we can talk about competition. Until that happens, we are not in competition. We are fellow soldiers in the army of God. We are part of God's kingdom advance together, and God uses us both to do that. Uh, So we need to get rid of that virus. Uh, God is showing us our need for discernment because I've just touched on a few things. There is so much erroneous teaching that is out there in the body of Christ right now. We really need to discern. Otherwise, uh, as many Christians have done, we can fall victim to error and false teaching and false prophecy. Uh, So that's the second thing. He, He is removing these spiritual viruses. A third thing that God is going to be doing in this rebuilding period, he is reassigning spheres of influence among leaders and churches. He's going to change those spheres of influence, both for leaders and for churches. He's going to replant churches in communities for quite a number of years. Now, City Temple, historically, as you know, we've been a gathered church. And so we've always drawn people from a wide region. And that's how God designed us. And that's how God started us. uh, And God did that almost 400 years ago. So he put us in that situation. But there are many people out there that are saying, I want to build a church that is going to be the the next uh, regional megachurch. That we're going to get five, going to get 10, we're going to get 20,000 people, and we're going to get them all together. But you know what? No number of megachurches will reach London for the gospel of Jesus Christ. What we need in London is churches in communities all around our city. That's something we're praying about here at City Temple. We want to be a catalyst to see many churches planted. But God is going to be taking churches back to communities. There'll still be regional churches. There's nothing wrong with them if God has designed them, called them, and planted them as such. But we need to get churches back in the communities. We need to get churches connected with the the people, the neighborhoods around them. And God is going to be doing that, I think, in this rebuilding period. Um, You know, one of the things we've seen in this season is how foolish it is to have a super, super big church because you can't meet. And in many places, 
uh, groups have been limited to numbers of 10 or so. And so we've really seen some of the folly of just having a super big church, even if we've seen some of the blessings of that. Uh, but that's going to be a challenge in this season. Uh, as he, God does this reassigning of spheres of influence, he's going to reshape what Christian leadership is, how we understand it, how it functions, how we see it. The next thing that God is going to do in this season, he's going to reinstate Jesus as the builder of his church and God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, as the giver of, church, uh, of growth. Jesus is going to build the church. Like he said to Peter, on this testimony that I am the Christ, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not stand against it. As Paul said, it's God who gives the growth. It's not my leadership. It's not my cleverness. It's not the programs that I develop. It is God who gives the growth. And if it grows because of my leadership or my cleverness, then it's not really God. And it will fall apart when I stop being a good leader or when I stop being clever. And so in this rebuilding season, God is the one who is going to give the growth. Jesus is the one who's going to build his church. And God will shift the church away from consumerism and entertainment that have come to dominate our understanding of church. Many people evaluate church on the, the wow factor in the Sunday morning worship experience. If you've got smoke, uh, if you've got great lighting, if you've got this really uh, super hot worship band, uh, then you're a great church. But actually, God evaluates it very much differently than that. And God's going to move us, move us away from that. God is going to expose the techniques that churches have used that have led to growth without Jesus. You know, you can grow a big church without the presence of Jesus at all. There's certain things you can do that will cause a church to grow. There's a lot of groups out there that teach these things. But if Jesus isn't there, it's not really the church. God is going to show us, too, that being a Christian is more than just raising your hand and saying a little prayer, that it involves the surrender of your whole life and a commitment to follow Jesus as his disciple. And God, in this building period finally is going to reveal the best ways for us to share in building so that our work is not burned up. I'm so encouraged by what Paul said that even if my work gets burned up, at least I'll still be saved. That's encouraging. But frankly, you know, I'd rather build with gold and silver and precious jewels than straw and hay. I mean, we all know from the story of the three little pigs what happens uh, you know, when you build a house out of straw. You know, he huffs and puffs and blows the house down. Uh, and so I want to build with something substantial. And God is going to show us how to build. God, in doing this, he's going to take us back to the basics. The basics for us as church is Acts 2.42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. That's our basics. That's our essence. And God is going to take us back to that. God is also showing us how important it is to gather personally. I think a lot of people didn't realize how important it was to get together with other Christians until they couldn't get together with other Christians. 
And I think this season has been beneficial for us in that way. Uh, and I think God is telling us we need to make this a commitment, a priority, that we commit to gathering with other Christians. A third thing, and it's a bit more controversial for some churches, I think God is restoring parents as the primary disciple makers of their, church, uh, of their children, which will be assisted by the churches, but not replaced by churches. For the last 50, 60 years, uh, many parents have expected the church to do the disciple making, and God says, no, mom, dad, you are the disciple makers. Disciple your children intentionally. And this is part of God revealing the best ways for us to share in building. Because if we build our children under the leadership and guidance of the Holy Spirit by the grace of God and Jesus Christ, I guarantee you they'll be stronger as they grow up. God is also showing us in, in this revealing the best ways for us to share in building. He's going to show us how to use technology to advance his kingdom without reinforcing consumption. As I said, one of my great concerns is that people will see these kinds of experiences as nothing more than entertainment rather than understanding, no, we are connecting together vitally as the body of Jesus Christ. And we're only doing it this way because we can't really do it face-to-face -face right now. So we as Christians, it's time for us to make a commitment. We need to do that right now, to make a commitment to participate in what God is doing in this rebuilding period. Either we will participate in it or we'll be left behind. And we're living on this edge of this. We're living in a time of transition. And just like a virus, what God is doing now is growing slowly. It's spreading slowly. But the time will come, and not very long, when all of a sudden what God is doing now is going to kick off like a virus. And this is a virus I want to be infected with. And I think we all want to be infected with this virus. Uh, and so we need to be ready for it. We need to re be ready for it. How do we do that? We need to simplify our lives, uh, even as we're simplifying churches. Find out what's essential for you. We need to learn how to discern. We need to go deeper in the scriptures on that. We need to start discipling our kids. If you're not doing that already, just pray with them, reading the scriptures, uh, those kinds of things. We need to make a commitment right now. Before things have opened back up, we need to make a commitment right now that we are going to prioritize gathering personally, face-to-face -face with Christians, gathering in Sunday worship, gathering for meals. We need to make this a priority in our lives, and we need to commit to it now. We need to grow in our prayer and worship during this season, and really, the big thing we need to cooperate with the Holy Spirit, allow Him to lead us and guide us, and lean on the grace of God. Now, this has been a terrible season, this COVID-19. It's been a great difficulty for so, so many people. We know that. But God is also doing some pretty amazing things right now in the body of Christ. He is working with us. He's working in us. Uh, and he is going to rebuild the church in this season, once again, making us a powerful force for kingdom advancement as the bride of Christ, as the household, the family of God, filled with the Spirit of God, 
living by the grace of God in Jesus Christ. Let's be part of this by God's grace in Jesus. Father God, thank you so much. Thank you for taking us into this time. Thank you for the promise of this season. Thank you uh, for all that you're going to do. And Lord, I know that I just hit on a few things. Uh, I know there's so much more there that you're going to show us, you're going to reveal to us. I pray, Lord God, that nothing would be able to stop the great things that you intend to do. We love you and we praise you. We worship you and we adore you. 